Hey everybody, this is Eric Frankhouse for EFP, February 9th, episode 14. Today we're going to talk about organizations. So some of you might be wondering, what are we going to go over? Organizations is kind of a broad term, but I really want to dig into how they function and how you can make them work in your game. So... Here's the topics. Or I should say bullet points? Yeah, bullet points. So what is an organization? How do we develop them as GMs and players? On the PC side of things, what do they get and what are they looking for? Joining and how you do it? And last, I'm going to talk a little Kickstarter stuff, a little bit of a new section, new for this podcast. I've done a lot of it in the past on Refresh and Reload, where I used to run that website with my brother. Uh, but I wanted to bring it back. I really love Kickstarter, and there's something amazing that just dropped this afternoon and is already killing the game. So let's dive in. Organizations. What do they do? Well, organizations to me are part of all tabletop gaming RPGs. And you have to have them. They're those things that you remember. Forgotten Realms, you have the Harpers, and you have the Red Wizards of Thay. Things like this are important. Scarlet Brotherhood from Greyhawk or, you know, the, the Circle of Seven. You have to have these things, these organizations for the players to look for, look up to, for the GM to have to run, and really everything has, even our modern day society has these ideas of organizations. So what makes them important? Well, there's a lot of things that make them important. Organizations provide great story hooks for a game. They also provide things for players to look forward to, or to become, or to join. Without these kind of things, your players are just running around killing monsters and maybe solving some mysteries. But organizations provide hooks and plots that are needed. I use them all the time. I really enjoy them. And in this episode, I want to dig into how to build your own. That's right. I'm going to talk you through how I build organizations. I just got done doing a bunch of them for my Numenera West Marches game. If that is something you're interested in, please contact me through social media. Uh, but we've been playing this now for going on two months, and I found that I really needed organizations to give players something extra to do. With that said, I want to talk about the development. So let's dive into that, because no matter what you're doing, the system you're playing, the campaign you're a part of, even if it's later on, you can always add a new organization or organizations to the game. So let's dive into development. Development. All right. Building organizations. So how do I do this? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break down in pretty easy steps. So I just did it for Numenera West Marches. And there was organizations already in the core book. But they only had joining benefits. And I wanted something more than joining benefits. And looking at things like 5e, uh, they had things like the Harpers, but there really wasn't enough there. I didn't feel like the players actually got anything for joining them. I looked around online, and people, you know, started talking about, oh, I added this and that. And that there's a renowned system in the DMG. So with that said, I started doing my research. I looked through other groups, other games, books I had at home, how they handled organizations. And I decided what fit the setting I was doing. So let's take Numenera, and let's take the idea of the Order of Truth. The Order of Truth is the Aeon Priest in the world, and people do want to become those. It's the idea of knowing about Numenera. 
So I broke it down. I knew I didn't want it to be six tiers. I knew that I probably wouldn't have people joining organizations right away. I saw it happening as it had their feet wet. Think like tier two. I needed to figure out how they would join. For me, I love role playing. Uh, it had to be an NPC they met, or an NPC that exists, or someone who's in Tentacle Castle, which is what they live in and travel in currently. But I really needed to figure out how in the hell they were going to get famous enough for these people to want them. So I broke it down. I decided that for them to join, there's going to have to be some form of points. Uh, renown is what is used in the DMG, and that's currently the word I'm using for it. I'll say I won't change it, but for now, it works. And I decided renown is a GM, you can hand it out. Handing out renown is easy. Just say, here you go. But I didn't want to do that. I wanted them to grow within the organization because they wanted to. That they were going to set up their own explorations to do things with these organizations. And unless they ask to do that, past that first renown point, they don't get any. Because to me, that's like not working at a job you signed up for. So you really need to do things for that organization to get more renown points. Because they're doing the extra mile and deciding they want to do more, you have to give them stuff. So I did a one through five and gave them bonuses. And most of all, I made sure I had titles. Players love the idea. At least I know I do as a GM, titles of things. So let me run through the ones I have. So we have the learned, the trained, a cipher, an Aeon priest, and an Aeon cardinal. These are the different ranks that I put in. I had to break down, hmm, what did I want to give them for powers? Well, since their organization is huge on the idea of knowledge and breaking down Numenera and understanding it, I figured that anytime they research Numenera or do something to figure out what it is, if they fail once per session, they get a reroll. Super simple. It just gives them the ability to maybe actually know what's going on. Since a lot of the jobs of the lower level people who aren't Aeon Priests yet is to bring back Numenera and Ciphers to the Amber Monastery or to other Aeon Priests so they can research them and catalog them, I wanted to make it easier for them to search. So in Numenera there's rules for searching for Ciphers no matter where you go. So I made it so they're a little bit better doing so. Now because they're going out there and doing all this work finding things, in Numenera you can only carry some of these Ciphers, they interact with each other. So I decided to up what they can carry by one. This allows them to carry a little more ciphers with them, bring them back without there being a problem of, I don't know, imploding themselves into death and destruction. Or maybe their best friend turns to stone because they have too many ciphers on them when they're traveling. Once you're an Aeon Priest, you do so much studying on ciphers and artifacts that I decided I wanted to up how good they are. Ciphers are usually a one-use item, so for D&D purposes, it'd be like a wand with one charge or a potion. They're so good at them, they know how to use them twice, which is pretty amazing. And then for artifacts, there's a depletion rule. So there's some things in 5e and other games that have depletion. This definitely exists in Numenera and Cypher games. So I decided that I would up the die category by one. It's normally a one in 1d6, and now ups to a one in 1d10 allowing them to be better and understand the items enough to where they're not misoperating them and blowing them up or draining them of all their charge. Alas, it's an organization, and I wanted to make sure that the last position, an Amber Cardinal, had the ability to speak and communicate with all other Aeon Priests and Cardinals throughout the Ninth World. To do this, you expend a third level item, or cipher, burn it up, and you can communicate and ask favors and get things back in return. This was something I thought was kind of amazing in such a large world. 
So that's a quick five minute breakdown of just how I built and you know made the Order of Truth actually have bonuses. So how do they get them? On the PC side of things, what do they do to join? How do they spend their renown to do it? And so on. So the PCs to join, I decided that you have to know an Amber Priest and you have to have at least one renown. Usually you gain a renown through play uh, with something that would involve bringing Cypher's artifacts back to this Amber Priest. In my situation and what I've set up, there's a guy there named Nerland. Nerland is an Amber Priest who is working on a tentacle because he travels and he gets a ton of things he gets to discover and and study Numenera ciphers and so on. Numenera in this world is the idea of magical items, but they're through the nine iterations of the world, so they span a large magnitude of different things. So, what's a good and bad? Well, players can join, giving them benefits. It also gives them a person they can contact, deal with. It also allows them to get a hold of things that maybe they normally couldn't get a hold of, or to go out on adventures and explorations to find things for this monastery, for the Amber Monastery, and for the Order of Truth to get things they normally wouldn't get. This is cool. It, it gives them the feeling of they belong, that they belong to something, that the PC is a part of something larger. And it may not be all for all PCs, or at least not that organizations, and that's why I have other organizations to make up for that. So they get the good and the bad. They get the good of, wow, I get to discover things, maybe I can trade things, get new items, but they get the bad too. The bad is not everybody likes Order of Truth. And that leads to role-playing experiences. That's part of the reason I really love organizations. By having these pros and cons, it allows you to have a deeper emergence into the role-playing part of things. So, the story behind it is pretty simple. You make an organization, the GM has something amazing to play with, you don't need a ton of write-up. And honestly, the more you use the organization, you can just keep adding to that description of what they are what they do. Heck, maybe you can make different tables for different types of positions within the organization if you have enough players doing so. But remember to keep the powers small, but important, and make them have a feeling tied to whatever you do for that organization. You're not going to give somebody, you know, a flying mount that's super destructive and blows fire all over things if their job is to heal and protect people. Really not part of it. So make sure that whatever you give the powers, we'll say, are aligned and attuned to the organization itself. So that's my idea, and that's the PC side. You get bonuses out of it. The developer part is not that hard. Just make sure you break down the mechanics for your game, write them down, know how much a bonus can and cannot be, and keep it fun. Add that fluff back into the game that has been missing for the last couple of years with all the crunch we've done. This isn't a miniatures game. This isn't a role-playing game I'm talking about. So bring that back. So next I'm going to get into the idea of joining, how you do it, and how I'm going to handle the specifics of it in my game. Mostly, how much renown to give out. Joining an organization should reflect what the organization is. And your players or NPCs that join should have do something that actually is involved in what they're about. Your organization is about protecting people. It should be involved in protecting. It's about crafting magical items. You shouldn't be able to join unless you've made one. They are not going to hire you for you know, a job unless you're good at it. 
So make your PCs and NPCs be good at what they're doing for that organization. And if they're just average at it, maybe they don't get in. Or maybe they have to study harder. Or they have to take the test again. Maybe they lose that renown until they get another one and come back in and show that they're worthy and they gain it back. But the idea of renown is what I'm giving out is a currency, not experience, but currency to show worthiness to be part of it. So back to the idea of being part of the order of truth, you need to bring in a certain amount of artifacts and Numenera to prove that you should be able to be part of this. Maybe crafting one is also part of that. It's kind of the GM with the flavor is that's needed suited to that player. If they're a jack that goes out and discovers things, they're probably not building Numenera. But if they're a nano that takes ciphers and cobbles them together into something greater, monster is probably going to want them as well. So be open about it. Don't be closed-minded. Just have your box, your parameters, that roughly your organization lives within. You know, they know that maybe they don't like the destruction of items, and destroying those are bad, even if it does give more power. And then, then make another organization that does that. Just keep these things in mind as you put organizations in your game. But bottom line, joining should be fun for the player, role-playing oriented with mechanics that back it, and then bonuses that make you want to be involved. So that's my idea in organizations. If you guys have ideas in organizations, call in through the Anchor app. It's free, you download it, hit that little button in the lower left-hand corner, I'll put you on the show and we'll start a conversation. But next, I want to dive into Kickstarter, the amazing thing that has just hit. So it's no mystery that Kickstarters have really helped the tabletop RPG industry grow. Uh, from miniatures to board games, card, anything. It allows you to take your idea, put it out there, and see if the audience, the players, us, uh, are really interested. And if they are, they give you money. And with that money, you have to produce something. And of course, there's a lot of bad Kickstarter, but I don't need to talk about that. Talking about the bad doesn't make it better. Let's talk about all the amazing shit that has come out. Uh, Numenera, one of the highest-reaching RPGs of all time. Then after that, they did The Strange. They've put out Invisible Sun, which comes out here in February. You can look at other games, too. But right now on Kickstarter, there is something pretty amazing. I love podcasting. And I used to run a review site called Refresher Reload with my brother and a few friends. I really enjoyed it. It was mostly video game, but there was some tabletop stuff involved as well. And what we realized is that there's a plethora of things to look at on KS. And people want to talk about it. And there's also people who do amazing things before they hit Kickstarter. And this today is my example. Matt Colville is putting out a 5e supplement about strongholds and building them. Now, I love this. And the current 5e game that I'm running is going to be coming out of my Patreon here this month. I really like the idea of people being able to build strongholds. Now, this won't be out in time, probably for my campaign. I'll have to wing it until that happens. But damn, man, how has that been missing? Like, why isn't that in every book? There's a little bit in the DMG, but it's not very fruitful. So Matt, being the one amazing reviewer, and obviously his YouTube videos are great. He does them for free. He is a developer for one of my favorite games, Evolve, and he did tabletop RPGs before that. This guy has got a track record that proves worth and value. I'm excited to see what the Stronghold guy ends up being. He's even talking about making miniatures that hit a certain stretch goal, 
for gem dragons, those neutral dragons we used to see in 3.0 and 3.5 and I think maybe even second edition, they were usually psionic. But on top of that, this is strongholds and streaming. And his goal is to get enough money to build a buy a studio space to stream with his players. We need more of this, like a professional level streaming. We have critical role, but I would love to have something else. And I'm excited to see his take on it. He's mentioned numerous times through his videos that, yeah, if I was jamming this, I wouldn't have done that. And we all feel that way as GMs. And as players, like, oh, God, why? Like, I love Critical Role, but Lord Bailey's character right now, her spiritual weapon's a lollipop. And it just, that level is not something I'm interested in. But I still watch the show. There's still things I love. Uh, my favorite character, Ash's character, has not been back yet. I wonder what Matt's going to do. He has a little bit more of the old school mentality. And I'm wondering how much of a, when you get Dungeon Crawl, what are we going to get out of this? So I'm excited to see Matt Colville bring a book to my table for Strongholds. And if he can bring the, the robust style of, of storytelling that he just has on his, his regular YouTube series, and then to see what he does with the stream and to see if his words carry weight and merit uh, at the table, I'm super, super excited. So I backed it already. If you have it, you can find it. Just look up Strongholds. It pulls up really quick. Other than that, everybody, I just want to say thanks for listening to the podcast. My Patreon is going to be changing. You can find that at Eric Frankhouse Presents on Patreon's website. And you can find me at Eric Frankhouse or Eric Frankhouse Presents all over social media. I love talking. If you got questions, I love to answer things as a GM who's been doing this for a long time and competes in storytelling. But that's all for me, everybody. Have a great weekend. Games are this weekend. That's what we do Friday through Sunday. If you're listening to this on your drive home, get those ideas in your head and get ready to play some games. All right, everybody, have a good one. Go roll some dice.